If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This episode of Unlocked is sponsored by My.Games and their new shooter, Warface Breakout. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Podcast Unlocked, episode 448 for June 16th, 2020. I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joined as always by the great Miranda Sanchez. Hello, hello, and uh, joining a special guest this week, Sharif Jackson from Rivals of Waterdeep, his D&D show. Uh, Sharif, I met you back on Spawn on Me. It is wonderful to have you here on Unlocked. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm a big fan. Big fan. I, I am a big fan of your Street Fighter 2 background. Like, as, <laughs> as soon as you came on, I was, I'm instantly jealous. Like, what am I wasting my time with all, light, lighting all this stuff back here? <laughs> You've already got the perfect solution. That's I love that. That's awesome. I have the solution, and also my background is way too uh, uh, bulky and unclean <laughs> to show. So virtual <laughs> backgrounds for the win. We're all getting by as best we can with the with the work from home setup. So, uh, yeah, like I said, Sharif, I, I met you with on Spawn on Me, and had such a great time doing that show. And um, and I, it, it's just been great to follow you uh, on social and online ever since. And so can you, I, you know, you're here to talk games. You play plenty of games. Obviously, you've got a Street Fighter 2 background. Talk a little bit about, I am very curious to hear, we have a lot of D&D uh, super fans mm-hmm. at IGN and in the audience. Talk to me real quick about Rivals of Waterdeep and what you're up to on there. Sure. Uh, so Rivals of Waterdeep is a, uh, uh, a live play show on the official D&D channel. So on twitch.tv slash D&D. Nice. Um, we play... Sundays at noon, uh, we have 10 episode seasons where we switch the uh, Dungeon Master every 10 episodes, so it's pretty cool. Um, so we each have to figure out how to handle each other's NPCs and storylines and stuff. Um, it's meant to be for, uh, for our beginner players and, and experienced ones alike, so like we have a mix of like skill levels on it. And it's an uh, all-PLC cast as well. Um, Wonderful. Know, so, so um yeah yeah it's it's been going for about two years. Um, oh nice! So, yeah, I'm, I'm um, super excited. I'll be I'll be the DM of the upcoming season, which starts this Sunday on the twenty first. Oh, perfect timing then. This is a uh, yeah, it's great promotional opportunity here. This is great. <laughs> um, yeah. And by day, you you teach, yes? Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm a uh, adjunct professor at the University of Wisconsin Whitewater. I teach a a, a video game class. 
um, on like uh, diversity in the gaming and on like analyzing games as uh, narrative pieces. Um, and I'm also a uh, math and physics tutor. So I own my own business where I help uh, students and like adults in like all levels of math, physics, and uh, standardized test prep as well. Where were you in, when I was in college? I mean, <laughs> not only for help with that stuff, but I would kill to take your, your video game design class. That sounds amazing. It's, uh, you must get, like, it's got a, that, show, that class has got to book up real quick every year. Yeah, it's it's definitely gotten uh you know more so um you know it started out as an elective so um you know it was a little smaller then but because of the like success of it and because the 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 um game design like department is like actually starting to push it more now um you know it's it's like gotten a a, a lot more popular so like we actually had our biggest class ever um last spring semester so even though we had to end it online because of COVID, um, still fun. That oh, is awesome. So, and, and by the way, it's class. By the way, that's awesome. Oh, thank you. It is. Uh, it is a good week for you. Not only so you got you got your new season coming up that you're you're the DM of. You get your. I mean, it's your. I guess you just probably finished your class. School's out of summer, but also uh, it's your 40th birthday yesterday. Yeah. Happy yeah. birthday! That is fantastic. Happy birthday! Thank you. Yeah, I don't know if that means I'm supposed to be in some kind of crisis. Um, <laughs> I've always told my friends I've felt like 40 for the past five years. Um, and I'm in that weird thing where, like, I was born in 1980, so am I a Gen X? Am I a millennial? I don't really know. I'm kind of, like, in that weird, like, micro-generation uh, X-Lennials or whatever they call them, or, like, Oregon Trail generation I've seen, uh, <laughs> like, as well. So um, I have no generation. <laughs> I'm right there with you. So I, I turned 40 in September. So I'm I'm right behind Sweet. you. I'm in, in that exact window. I've never heard Oregon Trail generation yeah. before, but I like that. I like yeah. that because, of course, we all played Oregon Trail in, in junior high, right, on the Macintosh computers yep. in the computer mm-hmm. lab. So good stuff. Oh, man. Uh, well, again, welcome. Thanks so much for coming aboard. And uh, Destin not showing up again he's fired brandon tyrell also oh, yeah. fired those guys are done now they're they're both super hard at work on ign summer of gaming which rolls on we've we're gosh three four days into it now if you haven't been watching live no worries you can go back and check out everything all the expo content there's literally hours of game reveals great stuff on ign and youtube.com slash ign as well so a lot of neat stuff a lot of great preview coverage out there as well so Plenty to chew on. We're doing our best to make our own E3 without a proper E3. Uh, and before we get going on news stuff, because uh, because uh, we're on a little bit of a schedule today, at, coming up in 20 minutes from right now, we're going to have Jason Ronald. He is uh, one, of the, one of the leads, one of the top folks on Microsoft's Series X team. He's going to be popping in here to discuss smart delivery specifically. We're kind of... We're going to do uh, deep dives on these individual topics. So stay tuned a little later in the podcast for Jason Ronald. That should be uh, really good. If you, if you don't know Jason off the top of your head, you're going to recognize him when you see him. He's got uh, possibly the most epic beard in <laughs> the entire gaming industry. So you've seen him on, on the, like, the Microsoft videos at E3 and such. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, let's see here. Actually, I'm going to go... I wanted to take some time to talk through our sort of Xbox reactions to the PS5 event. 
Uh, I guess let's just do that. We can't we can't ignore that entirely real quick. So, Sharif, let me start with you. The PS5 event, uh, did you get a chance to watch it? What, how do you think Sony did? I mean, I think given their position as a market leader, I think they kind of came out uh, with what they needed to do, meaning nothing revolutionary. Yeah. They kind of just said, we're going to show you a bunch of games. We're not going to give you many dates, and the dates we're going to give you are definitely not, not at launch. Uh, and, you know... Um, I think they they did a I think they did a good job. Um, I don't think they did a necessarily great job, but I think a lot of that is just because of the transition of these gens. It's just hard to show the benefits um, on these like trailers and these kind of like like these like sizzle reels, you know. Um, in like our previous ones, it was really easy to see. Oh, that's in 4K. That's a higher frame rate and stuff. We can't really see the advantage of the SSD, you know, um, or lo- or like that kind of stuff. Probably the only game that I saw where I was literally floored by was Ratchet and Clank because there was so much stuff going on in the background, so many effects, so many NPCs just like running around, you know, um, and the game still looked like buttery smooth. So like th- that was one of the few games that I saw like, wow, like this truly looks like something that I don't think can be done on my current, uh, on my launch PS4 that sounds like an aircraft carrier. <laughs> you know, um, but but yeah, I mean, I I liked it. I mean, obviously, I was screaming at the top of my lungs when uh, Miles Morales was uh, unveiled. You know, um, it was uh, not a surprise that he's getting something. Obviously, he was like in the game. Yeah, um, but I was excited uh, nonetheless. Um, surprise! Yeah, I didn't expect to see any Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, so I was. Pleasant, pleasant surprise. I, I thought that they would kind of wait on that and like that would be kind of like a little later d- down the line. Um, but I also loved a lot of the indie games um, as well. Um, I love when these big companies let the let the indie game shine on the uh, big stage. So um, I think Kina probably is the one um, that uh, really uh, really got like my attention because it felt like kind of like a breath like a cute breath of the wild game yeah you know um which i really like so i thought it was good you know um and uh yeah i i think they did what they had to do miranda how about you it's uh how how do you think they fared and and which which game or games jumped out at you the most to watch i think they did Overall, a really great job. I think one thing that we kept talking about around IGN is that they have a great, they're really great at positioning everything as exclusive, even though it's not. Because um, it, it seems like they're just throwing a bunch of games at you that are just there. Sorry, my cat's standing up. <laughs> You're watching the video. The floof is getting up. She rises. Um, but a lot of these are going to be on PC and other things as well. So it is just honestly great to see um, some of these games get the spotlight. One of the games that stood out for me was Little Devil Inside. Uh, I really liked the way they cut the trailer. That was kind of one of the things I actually enjoyed about it. It was just like fun to watch what that game was trying to pitch for its tone. Uh, Stray, obviously a big highlight for me because it's about a cat and a bunch of robots. Two things I love very much. Uh, Deathloop is another thing I'm looking forward to. I love Arcane, so I'm very excited to see more of that. Uh, Then also Kingdom Bridge of Spirits was like a, a big highlight for me as well because it's just like Pikmin, but... Yes. different and cute and just like this awesome forest um and kind of going also back to ratchet and clank i really love the colors like i think a lot of games mm-hmm. tend to be a little bit more muted and i think that one was just taking 
so much advantage of like how many textures and colors and things that they can have pop in that. So I'm, I'm really excited to see more of that. Um, I was glad to see that they have a uh, digital edition, but yes. as, uh, as we were mentioning, like Sharif specifically, like <laughs> we don't know when any of these games are coming out for the most part. And like a lot of these aren't launch titles. We still don't have a lot of information on the actual PS5. Like we know what it looks like. We know mm-hmm. some things that it's going to do, but we don't have like all the nitty gritty. It's like, why aren't you putting these games on PS4? How can you justify that? That was something we were talking about a few weeks ago. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to do a lot of these things as cross-platform anymore. So you need to justify why these can only be on the PS5. And so far, we don't really have that answer. And I think I'm really disappointed that they didn't go a little bit more into the PS5. They're like, well, here, mm-hmm. here it's what it looks like. It's a big tower. Um, and I'm personally not the biggest fan of the design. I'm a little worried about it and fitting into my entertainment center, but we'll see how that goes. Um, and so I really do hope that they have some messaging soon about like what they're going to do with their console as far as like the full deep dive of like what this thing is, like what is special about it aside from it being like, you know, next gen with better graphics and ray tracing and all that good stuff. Like, like give us more than just that. Like we need to get into the nitty gritty. Um, of course, also the price. No one wants to budge on price yet. Still waiting on that. Um, but that being said, like I think the presentation overall was really done well. Uh, I think people seem generally really happy about it. And I think, Ryan, you also saw comments on this about Microsoft really needed to bring a lot out for July and to really deliver something that's impressive. Well, yeah, I'll uh, before I move on from this topic, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with both. I'm Sharif Ratchet and Clank for me too was, was the standout. I mean, it's, uh, you know, a lot of people were kind of disappointed. I mean, they were psyched about Miles Morales, but then a little disappointed to learn the next day it was kind of clarified. Oh, it's sort of like a standalone expansion and not a proper Spider-Man two, but all right. So it's that same world, but it's going to be all new missions. You know, everything's going to look and sound better. I'm definitely excited for that at launch. Um, but yeah, Miranda, to your point, I actually, Using the the sort of anecdotal measurements that were going around based on the USB ports and the the optical disk drive, it will not fit either horizontally or vertically in my my shelf space behind me. That it's oh, wow. it's that big. Whether it lays down, it's too wide to lay down, and it's too tall. What if you uh, put it in diagonal, like just, <laughs> <laughs> just cr- so it's going to have to go on top. I'm going to have to like. Move- I'm going to have to move my little Maggie memorial and oh. put that somewhere else. And the PS5 is going to have to go on top, which, you know what? It's fine. I mean, I'm not complaining. It's I honestly don't care. I mean, the original Xbox was enormous. You guys remember? I mean, it was this big, big, like block of of, uh, of Wisconsin cheese. Right. It's like, <laughs> it a huge thing, but it was fine. And, and, and whatever Sony needs to do to get it. So that, so that it never overheats and hopefully also doesn't, exactly. to Sharif's point, sound like a jet engine ever. Yeah. Uh, I don't care. It's like, I, I don't care how big it is. It's just going to, it's going to get anchored down and it's not going to move for like seven years. But go ahead, Miranda. No, oh, go I ahead. Saying, I think the design does lend to like really awesome places for creativity as far as exclusive designs for um, special edition PS5s. Like I think... Yeah. The color scheme, just like the way it's designed, will be really cool for that later. But we're not there yet, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of the design either, but I like that they are trying new things. Yeah. Um, and I agree with. I mean, I can imagine like you know, like swappable face plates with this thing, or like di- different two tone colors, you know, and like that kind of stuff. 
And, and also, as far as the size, I mean, for the tech that they are promising, I would almost be disappointed if it was smaller because I'd be like, you know, just from building computers and knowing what you need to have adequate cooling and stuff, unless they're yeah. saying this thing is liquid cooled, which is not, they need <laughs> space so it doesn't like, yeah. you yeah. know, blow up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the so the, the bad news for Xbox gamers, and I promise we'll move on to proper Xbox news here, because but this is all relevant. Uh, the bad news to come out of this for Xbox gamers is that one uh, new Bethesda game that was already announced, which is Ghostwire Tokyo, uh, a first-person kind of horror game from Tango Gameworks, uh, the makers of The Evil Within, that will be a timed PlayStation 5 exclusive, so Xbox uh, owners will have to wait to get their hands on that. And then the other one is a new game, but another Bethesda title, uh, which is coming out of one of Arcane Studios, and that is Deathloop, which looked kind of like almost very like a like a Quentin Tarantino roguelike. It looked very interesting mm -hmm. to me. That is a timed PlayStation 5 exclusive as well. So uh, unfortunate news for Xbox gamers there. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, it, was, it was a good showing. And I, I wrote a whole editorial you can read on IGN. I really think like I, I think Sony did do a really good job with this. I'm with you guys. And, you know, they they. Microsoft needs to come out swinging in July. I mean, it's it all years and years and years of effort. I mean, you hate to like speak, you hate, you hate to build it up that much, but I really think it's true. I think I think there's a lot riding on this July event. Like, if it doesn't go well, it's mm -hmm. gonna set them set Microsoft back pretty far heading into this generation. Like, they're if they do not have a, a tremendous, not just a good, an excellent first party showing. It's gonna, it's gonna set, uh, it's gonna set the uh, Xbox Series X up to have a much tougher time heading into the generation. But anyway, uh, let's talk real quick before we got about nine minutes till Jason comes on. I wanted to start with a huge rumor, uh, Sharif. I'll go to you first on this. So listen to this. I'm sure you heard already, but the mm -hmm. uh, WB Interactive Entertainment, WB Games. That whole arm uh, is owned, the whole thing's owned by AT&T. Mm. And AT&T is looking to spin it off to pay down some larger corporate debt. Uh, so this is Rocksteady, makers of the Batman Arkham series. Mm. NetherRealm, makers of Mortal Kombat. You've got Monolith in there, who's done the Lord of the Rings uh, Shadow of Mordor games. Uh, there, are, there are a handful of pretty high-profile, very talented and accomplished developers that are reportedly now all as a group up for sale uh, with a possibly a $4 billion deal. And there is reported interest from uh, take two EA and Activision blizzard. So uh, Sharif, what do you make of this? I mean, I mean, you know, uh, there's unfortunately, you know, the financial game, like these companies have, you know, um, like AT&T have their money invested in like a lot of hands outside of games. So I can see them, this is just like them just correcting some, uh, some digits on their ledger. Right. But I think as far as being a gaming fan, um, a huge fan of, uh, of a nether realm specifically, I think that they've been responsible for keeping fighting games like relevant, um, with, uh, with, with Mortal Kombat and injustice as well. Yes. Um, so I would definitely want them to be in, in like a good hands um and um i don't know i mean i i know that you know microsoft has been nabbing up a bunch of uh 
studios as of late to like a prop up their their like first party um um to, to titles or like that second party thing like naughty dog kind of is with like a sony um so yeah i mean i would i would love to see them in a good homes you know um i don't want to see these uh franchises go to waste i know there hasn't been like an arkham game in like a while yeah um but i feel like applying that passion that they had about that to like maybe maybe another franchise you know or or like maybe uh you, you know just just like developing new like versions on like people in the dc universe i mean i think that like there's like a lot of passion in that studio and hopefully it's like not something that just goes to like a company that you know doesn't really care about them miranda i uh I, I would have to imagine a lot of gamers are probably not rooting for EA or Activision to win no. this. As soon as I saw this, I was like, please take two. Please take two. If we look at these three companies and don't do EA, don't do Activision Blizzard, don't, don't do those, please. Please. Um, I think we want them to steer clear of those two for anyone who's like, oh, why not? Uh, just because we know a little bit about their business practices and kind of like how those studios are run. Um, I these are really talented groups of studios and I would like to see them go somewhere else. Um, and it not be those two. <laughs> it's just very clear. I don't think that they, EA does not need more studios. I don't want them to nag anyone else. Um, I've heard plenty enough about how EA runs their businesses that I would not want anyone else have to be under EA. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, to, to, to be fair, you know, they've promoted Vince Zampella higher up to the executive level recently, and he's in charge of more than just Respawn now. And, yeah. and Respawn has been kind of the, the shining beacon within EA as far as gamer friendliness and, and, and uh, quality as well. Right. So. It, does, it does seem like Respawn's pretty much had their creative control over everything but that doesn't change that they're still under the business of ea and how that yeah. all works yeah uh, and not every studio has a vince and Pella to fight for them so that is yeah. kind of my concern right it's like i think they are the shining star of we're making it work under ea but how does that work for everybody else who would come under them right. i guess it's some of my concern mm-hmm. uh but i mean this is like a huge deal it's kind of crazy to see them wanting to like give up like netherrealm like guys i think combat like do you mm-hmm. not know I mean, that's the thing, like, Sharif, you make such a great point about NetherRealm, uh, Mm -hmm. about keeping, I mean, Mortal Kombat is arguably bigger than ever after like 20 something years, which is incredibly hard to do in the game space. Like NetherRealm alone uh, between, I mean, who knows if they'd still be able to do Injustice because it's apparently the Batman IP, like the IPs, AT&T is going to hang on to Batman. But there could still be like a licensing arrangement, but you know it wouldn't it wouldn't be quite as cut and dry as it is now with with uh, these studios using WB properties. But uh, what do you think, Sharif? Of uh, should Microsoft open the wallet here? I mean, they're a trillion dollar company looking to make a mark in the next generation. I would say only if they have the resources to pour in. Like, I wouldn't want them to, like, do it just to have the name. I would want them to do it and go, like, all in and actually give them the resources and the creative space to make it happen. I wouldn't want them to do it and then absorb that and then absorb it into something else or, like, uh, try to merge them with, with like, another uh, studio that they own that, that, like, doesn't fit. So if they can 
commit to that, I would I would love that. Um, I do have concerns about Activism, Activision Blizzard as well as like a Destiny fan seeing kind of Bungie like go over there and then pop That's out. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you know, like that was kind of a, you know, a bit of a tumultuous like relationship, um, you know, where obviously Activision Blizzard has the money. Um, but like seeing a, you know, a creative studio as, as a, as a Bungie be about as like openly frustrated as you can be, um, with, yeah. you know, being forced into the, like these annual sequels and like having these huge like profit targets for DLC and like all that stuff. I wouldn't want that to happen to, to uh, these companies. So if yeah. Microsoft can like commit to it, I, I think it would be great. Well, I mean, yeah, on the plus side, all the more recent studio acquisitions from Microsoft have, re- mo- most of them have said, yeah, we're being left alone. Microsoft's yeah. letting us keep our culture and do our thing. Uh, we saw In Exile, who's finishing up Wasteland 3 now, their next RPG is going to be on Unreal Engine 5, which sort of automatically means they're going to be, they have to get more resources to make a, yes. an RPG with Unreal Engine 5 than what they have now with Wasteland 3. So bodes well, but... Yeah, it's uh I'm definitely rooting for either Take 2 or or for Microsoft to swoop in <laughs> and uh and grab them. All right, we are going to take a quick pause here. We're going to fade to black and when we come back, we'll have Jason Ronald in here from the Xbox Series X team at Microsoft. And we're back with Xbox's Jason Ronald through the magic of the internet. He is suddenly here. Uh Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Excited to be on. I've been listening to you guys for a really long time. Yeah, well, uh, I, I prefaced your appearance with your beard, that if people didn't recognize your name immediately, they would absolutely remember your beard. It is, I think it is the most epic beard in the video game industry. Is there, is, would you dispute that at all? Is there anyone else? I think there's some contenders, but what people don't really realize is it's all CG. <laughs> Well, it's uh, it's really good CG <laughs> if it is. But no, welcome. You're, it's uh, it's great to have you here. You were on our summer of gaming programming. Uh, you're making the rounds. There's a lot of Series X stuff to talk through, and today specifically, we're going to zero in on smart delivery because it's you know you guys are just out here messaging all the awesome new benefits of Series X as uh, the generational transition approaches. And so I want to just start with you real quick, because we've got, we've got you for 15 minutes, so I want to make good use of this time. Where did smart delivery come from? I would really love to hear kind of the the origin story of it. Like how we know the console's been in development for, for like three, four years now. Uh, so where where does smart delivery come in and how do you sell it in with publishing partners as well? I mean, yes, it's optional, but you've got plenty of people on board, so... You know, there's there's the money stuff to sort through with that. So kind of walk me through the origin story of it. Sure. So smart delivery actually started really early in the program because one of the things that we really thought about is how do we make it as easy as possible for players to move forward to the next generation? And, you know, early on, we had established out of the gate that we were really committed to compatibility and we wanted to make sure that all your games move forward with you. But we also knew that developers would go back and remaster or optimize their titles to take full advantage of the full power of Xbox Series X. And with a very player-centric approach, it's like, how do we make this as easy as possible for the players? 
you know, and with past console generations, sometimes you'd have options to pay just a couple dollars to upgrade to the next version. And we we're like, how do we make it even easier than that? So we really established really early that this is something that we wanted to do. And then we had to sit down and figure out what were the technological problems? What were the business challenges that we need to work through to really make sure that we could provide the best experience possible for the players? Miranda, you want to take the next one? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so obviously business challenges are a big thing, right? Like you have to get these third parties on board. Uh, so who were the, some of the first third-party developers you guys talked to and what were kind of the reactions to the program and the ideas that you had for this? Um, because I'm sure, as you've heard, we all very much love the player-centric focus to this and uh, just want to hear more about it. Sure. So this was actually something that we talked about very early on as we are starting to talk to publishers about uh, the Xbox Series X and where we are going with the next generation. And I would say overall, the response was actually really positive because from a publisher's perspective as well, they want people to be able to play together. You know, they understand not everybody's going to jump to the next generation right away. So they want shared player pools. They want people being able to play together. And ultimately, a lot of it as well is just kind of learnings from past generations as well. So, you know, we made it as easy as possible at the technology level. Uh, as you guys mentioned, you know, we made the technology available to all publishers. And we've been really excited by the partners who have actually jumped on board, like, you know, CD Projekt Red with Cyberpunk. Uh, Bungie just announced support for Destiny 2. Ubisoft announced Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So, like, we're seeing really strong uh, response from the publishers because, once again, it's all about keeping that those players at the center of what we're doing. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, so, um, so I know that there, there was, like, a, a, a new list of games that came out that, like, will be optimized. So, so, some of like what which you just uh, mentioned. Um, I was wondering if like you could clarify exactly what the Series X will do for a game in compatibility mode, even if it's not one of those games that's going to have like an optimized version. Sure. Sure. So first and foremost, we want to make sure that the games run just as well as they've always run in the past. So there's a large amount of testing that we do to make sure that, you know, when you're playing the game on the Xbox Series X, you're experiencing it, you know, the way that the creator originally intended. At the same time, with all the extra power that we have with the custom processor, with the Xbox Velocity architecture, you know, we're not throttling it. So if the game can run at higher resolutions, if it can run at higher or more stable frame rates, or if it can benefit from the faster I.O. speeds, uh, we'll go ahead and do that so that not only does the game play, but it plays better than you've seen it before. And then we, we are continuing to advance the state of the art of how we can actually enhance titles at the platform level itself. With Xbox One X, we developed a whole series of new techniques, uh, one such as the Hutchie method, which allowed us to kind of increase the native resolution of the title without actually making changes directly to the title. We've invented new techniques like that so we can actually apply it to more titles. We're also looking at areas where in select titles, we can actually double the frame rate. Uh, without actually breaking the way that the game actually plays. And then we also have things at the platform level like auto HDR support, where we can actually retroactively apply HDR to games that were written well before HDR was even created. So, you know, games like Geometry Wars or even Fusion Frenzy from the original Xbox that's almost 20 years old, you know, seeing those games running in HDR, it just really brings a fresh perspective to those games. So, Jason, I'm, I'm curious, how 
if at all, how does xCloud fit into into smart delivery? Like if I'm if I've got uh you know Assassin's Creed Valhalla on my on my Xbox One X behind me here, but uh but let's say I do own the like do I if I've got a Series X maybe somewhere else in the house if I'm if I'm out streaming on my phone at some point down the way like am I is it going to stream the Series X version to me via X Cloud I'm just sort of curious if and how X Cloud fits into this because I know it's a big piece of the of the next gen puzzle for you guys. Yeah, we'll have a lot more information to share about exactly how X Cloud funnels into the overall ecosystem. But I'll say strategically, the way that we think about it is really about how do we deliver this great gaming content that we all know and love to as many players as possible. So from a game developer's perspective, the the same capabilities that you have on Xbox Series X will be the same capabilities that they'll have in the cloud. The same development tools that we provide to developers are the same development tools you use for the cloud. And then, you know, later this summer, we'll share more details about kind of how xCloud and the other components of the ecosystem come together. But it is really about, you know, kind of making sure that you have that great gaming experience wherever you choose to play. Sharif, you have any other questions on the list? Um, yeah. Um, what have you been playing on your Series X? Uh, you know, to be honest, I'm actually playing a ton of different games, you know, because we already have thousands of games up and running today. So, you know, I have some games that I'm, you know, 50%, 70% of the way through that I'm trying to finish up. You know, I just recently watched the Killer Instinct documentary that came out and it caused me to go ahead and download Killer Instinct. So I just started replaying that. Um, and then obviously, you know, I have my own personal favorites from like the 360 catalog as an example. So, you know, it's great to be able to download those games, some of which I haven't played in years. And then instantly it syncs my cloud save and I'm up and playing just like I was five, six, seven years ago. Uh, so, you know, we're kind of all playing as many games as we can to just make sure that we're exercising the titles in the system as much as we can. Hold, hold it up, Jason. I know it's in that room with you. Where is it? Where is that Series X? It is in an undisclosed location. <laughs> <laughs> we know what it looks like. Come on, show the goods. Show that. Let's see. Uh, all right. Um, it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a gag order. Like you, you can't even you can't even show it on uh, on shows without without uh, explicit approval. But. Um, so you mentioned the save files moving across too. Was that like, with all due respect, because I know it's none of this is easy, but relatively speaking, was were save files the the relatively easy part of this? Because it, it seems like I mean, you guys have been more or less already doing that with cloud saves for a long time. Yeah, you know, and really in a lot of ways, Xbox Series X brings together a ton of things that we've been working on over the years. To your point, we've been investing in cloud-based saves for a really long time. And as somebody who owns multiple Xbox consoles, or maybe I'm playing at home or I'm playing at work, just being able to pick up and play and not have to worry about, you know, bringing, you know, a USB drive or whatnot, and just being able to download from the cloud. We've built a lot of this infrastructure over many, many years. And really, Xbox Series X brings a lot of these things together. Um, and it's a huge opportunity as we kind of move into this next generation about how do we make this transition as easy as possible for players. And also understanding that not all players are going to choose to upgrade in the immediate launch window. Maybe they'll wait for a little bit longer. So we're really focused on how do we help bring new people into the ecosystem, as well as taking our existing fans and players and bring 
bringing them forward when they choose to. Uh, before we let you go, I'm, I'm just genu- genuinely curious as s- somebody who's so close to the, the this project and and trying to get this console to market. Like, what is the average day like for you? Or or and if there and if there's no kind of average day, like literally, what are you doing today? Like, what what is happening today to help get Series X done for this holiday? Yeah, I mean, we're really kind of uh, in the last six months of launch. And to your point, we've been on this journey for four years. So then there's been a tremendous amount of work that's already happened up to this point. But it's really making sure that, you know, we're, we're ready to go. We're going to have a large number of consoles available worldwide for players to purchase. It's really about making sure that the software is highly optimized uh, it, you know, refining the user experience. And then it's also really partnering really closely with all of our launch partners to make sure that the games that are actively in development right now are fully ready for day one to have a great experience for all the players that will be new to our ecosystem uh, when Series X launches this holiday. So it's kind of, you know, I wouldn't say there's ever a standard day here because I can jump from a hardware supply chain meeting to, you know, user experience meeting to meeting with a development partner. And it's really about how all these things come together for that day one launch experience. Miranda, you got anything else before we let Jason go? I do not. I'm just very excited to see what else is going to get spark delivery. Good stuff. And we'll, and it's just, and it's clearly what we've learned from this interview is that Jason's lying and he does not have a Series X there. He's, he's a liar. <laughs> it's not there. It's not, exactly. it's not a thing. <laughs> no. exactly. Jason, thanks so much I, for coming I, by. Xbox Series X. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, an Xbox what? <laughs> no. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for, for stopping by. Uh, and I think if all goes well, maybe we'll see you again here in a couple of weeks. But appreciate you coming by to talk smart delivery with us. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks. All right. We are back through the power of the magical Internet. Jason is now gone and we remain. Uh, but thanks so much to Jason Ronald for stopping by talking smart delivery with us, trying to get that little just clear it up a little more. Learn a little bit more about that new feature that's coming to Series X this holiday. All right, Sharif, Miranda, let's get back to it. There is more Xbox news to discuss. Uh, we cannot let this week go by without mentioning a new Star Wars game that's also, that's coming very soon, Star Wars Squadrons. Uh, so it's got a camp. It is campaign. It is multiplayer. It's 40 bucks, which is interesting. That tells me I wonder if maybe this is going to be like a smaller scale campaign and and smaller scale multiplayer or maybe not i don't know maybe they just have a a a long tail plan with it but 5v5 multiplayer it's got a campaign our friend mitch dyer uh who we're now gonna have to get on unlocked to talk about this Mm -hmm. is is writing is uh, on the writing team for this video game so uh that means miranda neither you or i can review it oh no definitely not we, we worked with mitch ethically we cannot do that but uh, let me just tell you, before I get your guys' reaction to this, I'll tell you a little bit about the game. So on the campaign side, it's described as such. Squadrons will feature a single-player story mode set after the Battle of Endor and the destruction of the Death Star 2. Alternating between two customizable pilots, the story will feature brand new characters and cameos from familiar faces. The two pilots you play as will show you both sides of the game's conflict. One flies for the New Republic's Vanguard Squadron, and the other for the Shattered Galactic Empire's Titan Squadron. On the multiplayer side, players will engage in strategic 5v5 multiplayer space battles 
with the goal of demolishing the opposing flagship in fleet battles and will feel the rush of first-person multiplayer combat. The whole thing is first-person. Uh, as they work with their squadron to defeat as many opponents po as possible in dogfights mode, pilots will triumph as a team, adjusting the composition of their squadrons to suit their playstyles as they progress, crushing their opponents and completing objectives across known and never-before-seen locations, including the Gas Giant of Yavin Prime and the Shattered Moon of Gallatin. So, uh, EA Motive, obviously, since I mentioned Mitch Dyer. So, what do you guys think? That how do you how do you like the sound of this? It's out October second. It's coming out very soon. I think it's really cool. I, I like the premise a whole lot. Um, I think the forty dollars price tag tells me that they could have either gone free to play. Or they could put a price on it. And I'm kind of erring toward, I'd rather have a price. Um, we get a campaign. I'm sure it's going to be a little bit more short. But I think this is like a really interesting part of the Star Wars timeline to explore. Um, yes. Obviously, we, we kind of know how things shake out after it. But um, just right after the Battle of Gondor, like you kind of see like the, the fallout of the Empire just being wiped out and just kind of put down. Uh, and I think that's really interesting to see, like also people who were on the Empire side to see their fallout and like where they fit in the grand scheme of things as well. Um, the multiplayer sounds like it's going to be really fun. I mean, I don't play a lot of fights in games or anything. So I think getting into this will be really fun. I forget which, uh, I always forget the title of it. I played this one Star Wars flying game on the Nintendo 64 when I was a kid. Oh, that would have been uh, Rogue Squadron, Rogue Squadron right? right? Squadron. Yes. Yeah. I loved Rogue Squadron. It's obviously not first person, but it's like different. So I think the the kind of different ships that they have in Star Wars will be really interesting. Like, I think we saw some of those in the trailer of the different kinds. So I'm curious to see how they're going to set up their multiplayer. So Sharif, you're you're the same age as I am, fellow 1980, uh, mm -hmm. born, and, born and raised. Did you ever play... X-Wing versus TIE Fighter on PC back in the day. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Do, so does that does that remind you, does this game on paper, what you've seen so far, remind you of, of X-Wing versus uh, TIE Fighter at all? If I'm being optimistic, yes. Uh, <laughs> That's a good way to put my, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be a little reserved about this because it seems like it's mostly focused on the multiplayer. Like, technically, yes, we'll have a campaign, but especially from the way it's written, to me, I th I'm thinking of like Titanfall 1, like see both sides of the conflict and we'll try to walk you through it. So I think that the campaign will probably, for people kind of looking for finally that like meaty, like uncharted slash Mass Effect-esque level of uh, narrative in terms <laughs> of, of a campaign, I don't think you're going to get it, especially at a $40 uh, price point. I mean, I will definitely eat my words if you do, um, but like I, I like doubt it. But I think it'll be focused on the multiplayer. Um, to me, the main thing that got me uh, into it, and I know this is kind of niche, is the VR support. Yes, um, you know, um, you know, I you know, had an Oculus for for a while, um, and uh, you know, I'm totally um, excited about that that on the PC. Um, and you know, when I think about games that I played that have focused on that flight, like. No Man's Sky, Elite Dangerous, that are clearly Star Wars-inspired games. Um, I think that they can really knock this out of the park, but they got to focus on the basic mechanics of the flying experience. If that doesn't feel good, then you can have all the cameos that you want. You know? um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I'm really hoping that they focus on the base game and then layer all the franchise stuff on top of that, as opposed to, like I say, in 
bunch of Star Wars people are, are going to buy this. So let's just get it out there. Now, are you uh, are you prone to to motion sickness at all with VR? Or are you pretty pretty cast iron stomach? I'm usually pretty good. The only game that has ever given me motion sickness, and it's a shame that, that it does because it's so good, is uh, Half Life Alex. Oh uh, yes. For That's... some reason, and I don't know why, because I played games with more motion than that. Yeah. For some reason, I think because it's so good and it's so <laughs> that like I'm trying to play it without the uh, teleporting, so the full motion. Yeah. And and I can play it for maybe thirty minutes at a time. I was with you. Yeah, I had to. I tried. I tried turning the full walking on, and I t- I had to turn it off after a little while and just go back to the to the like point and teleport point and just warp thing. But uh, yeah, I do wonder like EA motives gotta, I'm sure they're taking some sort of measures to, to, to protect people's tummies because <laughs> doing like barrel rolls in, in your X wing, I would think would trigger a lot, a lot of people's motion sickness in VR. But the idea of it is, is tremendous. I mean, obviously we won't get that on Xbox, but I imagine, man, throw it on a, on a 4k TV with an Xbox one X and it's probably going to look super, super good. Now, the one other interesting thing about this announcement, besides the fact that it's, you know, it's announced here in June and out in the beginning of October, uh, there is no word. We were just talking to Jason Ronald all about smart delivery no word yet on smart delivery for this game. It's only announced for current gen consoles, plus PC and then PS4 and Xbox One. Nothing about Series X yet. So uh, I don't know if it's going to get Series X optimized later or or you know or what. Maybe the dev team's just crunching as hard as they can to try and get this thing done and out for the holiday. When of course they all had to transition to work from home a few months ago i don't know but i did find it interesting that that uh there's just no mention of series x with this particularly when we've seen you know ea has been a a great and close partner for microsoft this entire generation right it is suspicious and i'm a little worried that since they did come out saying that they're gonna have that that they might not because like there's no reason really to hold back that information um unless they're planning on releasing that later i'm I'm not too sure we shall see or 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 like coming out with a a remastered version you know january or february (laughs) oh yeah let's hope that's uh it's it's (laughs) yay for smart delivery let's 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 hope for that seriously all right uh real quick before we move on to the uh the trivia for the show this week i did want to mention just circling back Uh, We talked a little bit when we were talking about the PS5 reveal. The one thing I wanted to come back to on that was just to mention a few of the other games that were announced that are multi-platform that are coming to Xbox. So, yes, these were the PS5 event, but these are definitely worth passing along to all of you guys because they are big new games that will be coming to Xbox. Now, I mentioned the two timed exclusives, Ghostwire Tokyo uh, and Deathloop, both published by Bethesda. But uh, a few more here. We have Resident Evil Village, a.k.a. Resident Evil 8. I want to hear from both of you about that game. Hitman 3, uh, which, which is uh, you know just day and date on Xbox, as well as NBA 2K21, which there was a Zion demo that looked, 
I mean, it was just a just him, so it's, it wasn't a full five on five. But man, <laughs> that looked that was a heck of a tech demo. The and sweat. then uh, <laughs> yes, uh, Pragmata as well, a new IP from Capcom. Sharif, what uh, what of those did Resident Evil? What what of those jumped out for you? Um, Hitman. Um, huge fan of Hitman one or two. Um, so, sorry, like one and two. Um, even a big fan of the old games in like the 2000s yeah. that I played in like college. Um, but this started out, I did not know it was Hitman until almost the end. Like, the, like the aesthetic, like the, the you know the the um, colors. It didn't seem like a like Hitman game, which to me is great because I feel like IO kind of milked the current aesthetic for all it was worth for the first two. Um, even putting the first game entirely in the second one. You know, so I feel like if they made another one, as much as I love Hitman, if it was too similar to the first two, then I'd be like, well, like, what's the use of it? So I like that they're going for something a, 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 a little different that is still narratively connected to the first two games. Um, so I, I was like, really surprised to like I see that kind of like tonal change. I hope that they still have some of the silly stuff, like walking around as a as a mascot and like all that kind of stuff. Uh, obviously, this like trailer wasn't meant to show that, um, right? But I was I was really thrilled by by uh, Hitman Three. Yeah, I I like it. I'm with you. I like it when trailers do that, where it's where I don't know what it is until like way into it. I always like when trailers surprise me that way. Uh, Miranda, what we know you love scary games so much, so. Resident Evil? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, uh, yeah, that and Ghost Story, I was like, <laughs> not for me. I'm going to give those a hard pass. Still uh, excited for Deathloop. Uh, Pragmata looked weird. <laughs> I mean, we'll see what that is. It felt like very much that they were going for like a Kojima-esque trailer. They're like, let's be weird like Kojima was because that worked for him. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, I don't know about that one. I guess we'll see as we get more of whatever that is uh but no scary games for me thank you <laughs> i i will tell you i'm with you i i literally <laughs> thought that pragmata was going to be like a like a expansion to death stranding like the, mm. the aesthetic mm. it so reminded me of death stranding not and i don't mean that in a, as a as a compliment or a slight just as a just as an observation yeah. i was like oh this is this a death stranding thing i mean you know he's he's been buddied up with sony obviously they're publishing his stuff so um, but yeah, I, I will say, uh, Miranda, I'm not a big scary game person either, but Resident Evil, that, that trailer for, for Resident Evil Village, it was hitting the right notes for me. I, I like that Resident Evil has gone first person now. I'm a sucker for first person games. I just love mm -hmm. the immersion factor of it. And boy, it looked great from, from a visual perspective. And I just, I liked the kind of where it was set and the, the whole sort of vibe of it. I'm probably going to end up having to nope out of it like a third of the way through when it inevitably terrifies me. But for now, for now I'm in and it's uh, 2021 for that one. So you had those, what, one, two, three, six, six new games that are on their way to Xbox as well as PlayStation. Two of them were timed exclusives. Yeah, and, and to add a little more on that Resident Evil point, I actually think that they're more confident with first person because they've seen how successful like re-releasing re the the uh, older games are. Mm -hmm. So like so so, so like, they can apply that like RE7 kind of like first person thing to like the newer games and like keep the older games as like the over the shoulder, yeah, you know, uh, so like more 
more of the RE4 type uh, type thing. So I'm I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. You're brave. I can't be brave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I never really it and I'll watch. <laughs> you know, Shreef, that's that's actually that's a great point. I never really thought about how the remakes of the old ones can kind of allow them to not maybe anger fans as much yep. with the sense of that's boy that's such a good that's a really good point yeah i think you're, you're totally on the on point with that um so yeah we'll look for i think of those games and i mean nba should be this fall i don't know if they announced it but i mean nba is every year resident evil's 2021 and then i think none of the other ones i think hitman hitman they might have said 2021 on that uh I think that, I feel like they might have even have said early 2021, but and then Pragmata's a ways out, and uh, no ETA on Ghostwire or Deathloop. Yeah, I'm not sure about the NBA. I mean, obviously there's still some. We don't know if they're finishing the season in Orlando. They're kind of like trying to make these plans on how to help finish out the uh, season, but maybe because that'll finish so late, and NBA 2K usually likes to have the latest stats in their games. Like I know they can patch them in later but right that might like potentially push that out of that normal time slot that they have for it it's possible. yeah that's that's true i wonder yeah if if uh if if the scheduling of the real life season because i'm sure that like the the reason that the i i think the reason that nba 2k comes out at the beginning of the season is because that's when fans are yes. wanting to buy it right so if yep. they're if they're if it comes out and there's there's no season. Yeah, that's that is going to be interesting to see if if that has any effect at all. All right. Uh, before we go here, let's do a trivia question. Miranda, a chance for you to gain some ground. And uh, and Sharif, always happy to have have new people play the trivia. Let me let me pull up the scoring here. Let's see. I think I'm behind now. Like I'm playing you're behind. One point. You're that's correct. Yeah, we've got Destin at four, Miranda at five. And Brandon Tyrell at six, so you can you can tie for the lead here. Uh, and the trivia question this week comes from the uh, person with the gamer tag, simply fear me. Which uh, maybe they that person likes Resident Evil Eight. <laughs> <laughs> they like fear, um, but it is a Halo related trivia question for the both of you. Which of the following game did not include Halo DLC? So some kind of Halo-related DLC. Was it Killer Instinct, back from 2013? Was it Forza Horizon 4, which is the latest Forza Horizon game? Well, actually, the latest Forza game, period. Uh, was it Minecraft, when it came to Xbox? Or Fable 2? And the uh, the limited the collector's edition, All the, there was DLC for Fable along the way. So do either of you know it? Before I... Let me start there. Because I, mm. I didn't. I This one... This one uh, threw me for a loop. I have a hunch. I don't know okay. it 100%, but I do have a a strong hunch and think I'm going to go. I also have a hunch. Also, Sharif, so you know, I'm like the worst at trivia. I'm so bad at trivia. <laughs> I'm so bad. <laughs> well, Sharif is our guest. I'll go to him yeah. first. Sharif, what do you think here? Even though Forza is one of Microsoft's uh, you know, top franchises and you would think they would bundle Halo stuff, I do not think it's Forza 4. Um, I played a ton of Forza 4. Uh, I played, you know, the expansions for it. Um, and I don't recall there being anything Halo-related attached to that game. 
Um, so my pick will be for, Forza Horizon 4. Okay. Miranda, how about you? I think it's Fable 2. Okay. Uh, well, I am happy to report that uh, Sharif is on the board with, with a correct answer there. Yeah, this one, this one was a little a little sly on Simply Fear Me's part because these did all have Halo content, but notice I tried to emphasize when I was giving the question, DLC. So Forza Horizon 4, there is a Warthog special yes, event a hiding in there, but it's not DLC. It was baked into the, the regular game. So Sharif, you are correct, my friend. Mm-hmm. You are on the board. That's because uh, I remember that being part of it. So I was like... I don't think it's Forza because they have a warthog in it. Yeah. Okay. So, 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 I mean, my, if I'm at 100%, I can never play again. So, I can never play again. <laughs> <True. laughs> no, we'd love to have you back at some point. That's, uh, it's, but yes, you are, you are batting a thousand on, yes. on the Unlock Block trivia segment. Uh, so, thank you to the gamer by the gamer tag of Simply Fear Me. And hey, I could always use more good trivia questions and more loot box. We skipped loot box this week because we had Jason Ronald on and we're about out of time here. But if you want to send in an Xbox trivia question, please email it to unlocked at IGN.com and include four multiple choice answers in there. Note the correct one in your email. And then on the loot box, same email address and just send in your question for the panel. All right, let's uh, let's hit the road. But before we do, want to give both of you a chance to promote what you're up to. Sharif, I'll start with you. That, mm-hmm. that D&D show premiering this weekend, let's uh, let's hear about it again. Where can we see it? Sure. So uh, twitch.tv slash D&D, like the letters D&D, um, at 12 noon, at a noon central time. Um, our show is t- two hours long, and like it'll, it'll be on there uh, every week. And obviously the the uh, on demands are like are there as well as well as on the DND on the YouTube page, um, and you can go to rivalsofwaterdeep.com. That'll link you to the audio podcast feed as well um, if you don't have time to watch the uh, the uh, videos. And also rivals waterdeep on Twitter, and the profile of of that has like links to like a me and like. All the rest of my uh, of my castmates, including Cicero Holmes, who was uh, also a uh, co-host of mine on Bonami, who was like the uh, resident Microsoft uh, uh, person that uh, kept us in the news for like all the Xbox stuff. So, so um, yeah, and like I'm like Sharif Jackson on all social networks, S H A R E E F Jackson.com, uh, uh, and like SharifJackson.com is the website. Fantastic. Love it. Uh, and Miranda, what are you up to at IGN lately or on your personal channels? Yeah, so I just finished up some of my summer gaming stuff. I got to stream SpongeBob SquarePants, Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated, which was very Sweet. fun yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. So you can catch the, the VOD of that online, I believe. Um, I did that with Akeem. Just kind of fun. Talked a lot about tri- trivia. Akeem did some great Mr. Crab voices. Um what else do we have going on? We have a lot of other wiki stuff that I'm managing behind the scenes, but again, a lot of behind the scenes stuff. So if you want to catch me at some other projects I've got going on, I'll be streaming Bioshock again tonight. Thank you for everyone who stopped by and mentioned Unlocked. I appreciate it. Love that you guys watch the show. And thank you for supporting me and my Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash Havoc Grows. And I'm Havoc Grows pretty much everywhere else, as you guys know, because I say it every week. Also, if you, like me, did not know that Fable 2 had DLC 
for it with Halo content. <laughs> look it up because it's wild. <laughs> That's what I was like. I was like, what? <laughs> so please look that up. It's really weird. Excellent. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. Uh, new unfiltered next week. So I'll promote that when it's actually up next week. And I can't think of anything. Else. What else is what else is going going on? Uh, anyway, that's fine. That's all I got to do. Twitter and uh, and check out unfiltered next week. So for Miranda Sanchez and Sharif Jackson, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Unlocked 448. I want to thank Jason Ronald from the Xbox Series X team at Microsoft for stopping by as well. And we'll see you all again next week. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.